today's a little bit different. Um, Christine and I are going to be kind of sharing together. It's kind of like a, we've done uh, panels for the past few weeks, and so today's kind of like a panel of, of two, and uh, we're going to self-moderate kind of thing. But, it's, uh, but let's, let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Oh, Lord, our God, you've chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, and your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, heal the sick, and care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're continuing our series called uh, Dream. Um, Christians believe that, that Jesus is not only the Son of God, and, and not only did Jesus die for our sins and rise from the dead so that we could uh, receive eternal life, we also believe that one day Jesus is going to return and, and usher in an entirely new reality, the fullness of the kingdom of God. We believe that. And, and uh, God tells us through the prophet Joel and uh, through the apostle Peter uh, that the closer that we get to Jesus' return, um, the more we will begin to receive uh, dreams and visions of this coming kingdom in, in greater and greater clarity. And we believe that those visions include uh, God's plans for the church, for us. Uh, because the church, you see, is supposed to be a, a picture and a preview of this coming kingdom. So, so God is going to be revealing uh, his plans um, through us. Uh, so church is not um, a place or an event on the first uh, sermon of the series. We emphasize that the church doesn't exist for us, right? We are, we are the church, and we exist for the world. That's so key. We can't ever, ever forget that. There are times when we forget that, and we think church is for us. It's not. We are the church, and we exist for uh, the world. And so we've heard our prime timers and baby boomers share some of the dreams that God has given them for Trinity. We've heard from a few of our young families. Uh, we've heard from our 20-somethings last week. And today, Christine and I want to share uh, our um, dreams for this church as your pastors. And we've been serving here almost 14 years. Uh, I, this is my 10th year as your lead pastor. Can you believe it? You know, I, when we started here, I was, I was 30, and I just turned... Um, uh, 45, 45, 45, 45, uh, on Friday, and, uh, and that just seems like a long time, like 15 years to be in one place uh, with, with one family. Uh, before Jesus returned to the Father, uh, he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you, what did he say, do you love me, Right? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And what, is, uh, what does Jesus say in return? He says, I want you to feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And so both Christine and I have heard Jesus say to us separately uh, on different occasions, uh, we, uh, I want you, Jesus said, I want you to feed my sheep. And, and pastors have a particular function in the body of Christ. We're not any better or any lower than anybody else. We just have a very specific function. Uh, and it's, it's different from other forms of service. Because like every other believer, pastors are called to love Jesus, right? Every believer is supposed to love Jesus. But pastors have a special love for the church as well. That's what makes pastors pastors. Is we don't just love Jesus, but we have a special love for the church. We're called to to feed the church, the family of God, to love the church. Uh, we are shepherds, and a shepherd is one who leads God's people where we sense that God is wanting them to go. Okay, So it's not just about feeding, it's also about leading. And, and that's what pastors do. In uh, Colossians 1.27, which, which is our theme verse for this year, beginning of the year, 
we read this, and this is part of our prayer that we pray every week, that, that, that we wrote specially for this year. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, outsiders, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's for you. That, this is a verse for you. So, so you understand what God's desire is for you, that Christ would be formed in you. You would become the image of Jesus. You would become the hope of the world because Christ is living in you. But what we didn't do is I didn't continue reading through that verse because the next verse, this verse is for all of us. The next verse, I believe, specifically resonates with the heart of a pastor. And this is actually my life verse. This is the verse that, that guides me as a pastor. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present, so that Christine and I may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, we labor, struggling with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in us. This is my verse. God gave this to me. I take this very personally. All of us at some, someday will stand before the Lord and give an account for the things that we've done in this life and present to him our treasures. Our treasure is you. You are the people that we want to present to Jesus, fully mature in Christ, and say, Lord, this is our act of, of devotion and love. This is our, present, our gift to you. We did everything we could with all the energy that we have to present people to you fully mature in Christ. Jesus, this is our gift to you. This drives us. This is the heart of a pastor. Uh, we have this, this all-consuming burden to help every believer, all the sheep under our care, all the sheep under our care, become fully mature. We think about it all the time. When we go on dates, we say, okay, we're not going to talk about the church. What do we talk about? The church. The whole time. It's like you're talking about your kids, right? Parents, when you go out, you just end up talking about your kids. We end up talking about the church. This is our family. Um, this is why we, we pray and we study and we preach and we teach and we counsel and disciple all so that we can help people become more mature uh, in Christ. We give up our evenings for this purpose. We give up our weekends for this purpose. With all of our energy, this is what, what drives us. Our dream is that, because we we're called to feed people, right? And so our, our hope is that you look so much like Jesus that people come up to us and they say, man, what are you feeding those people? What are you feeding them? Look at their lives, right? And so as we talk about some questions today, it's from this is the posture, that the, the perspective from which we're, we're speaking, that we want all of you to become mature in Christ. So it's more of a conversation between me and Christine um, and all of you. So we came up with a few questions. The first one, and I'll let Christine start. Uh, Christine, how would you describe the season that we are in as a church right now? Well, before I answer that, um, I just want to say I'm feeling especially nostalgic today because... Um, on uh, Dan and Albert and I, we led worship together, and I don't know how many years it has been since we've led worship together. Like the original team. 2004. That, with Musette back there. Yeah, right? with Musette the as well. Five of us. Yeah. And so it's been a long time that I've, I was able to uh, lead worship together with this team and, and just watching people walk by as we have done for like decade, over a decade, and saying, hi, good morning, and, and as we're worshiping and, and rehearsing, I was just feeling this, this overwhelming sense of love. And, and I sit here, and you know, there's just some people, you know, it's, I haven't seen for a while, and, and we're in that season, I feel like, uh, for, for my side anyways, where, Old, deep relationships have almost um, gotten a little distant because I'm over at the Roland Heights campus. You know, like Rosa, you know, I haven't seen you forever. 
And after, right after service, I'm going to go after you because you're going to the women's retreat, no matter what you say. Because I roomed with her last year, and we got so close, and, and I haven't been able to see you. And, and I wonder how you feel, not just towards me not always being here, but Sandra and Chris and George and Gracie, and, and just that tight-knit feeling of love and family that we used to have. And because of the merge, for those of you that are uh, visitors here, we merged uh, with another campus about a year and a half ago, and 30 of our people went over there to start um, a fresh start over in a, in a church that was not doing too well on their own. And so this is a season where a lot of you are missing that sense of familiarity, and we're trying to build that up again. And on Roland Heights, the same thing. There's like new faces. You know, half of them, I'd, we've only known each other for about a year and a half. So it's taken for, for that long, and just now, recently, we've been starting to feel that sense of community. And, um, and on the Roland Heights side, I do want to say, before the merge, they were in constant transition for year after year after year after year, and they're exhausted of change. And here we are going through another season of transition where, uh, where Albert and I are... are um, planning to serve up north, and we're looking for a new pastoral leadership for our church. But this transition, even though we might feel a little insecure and not at rest, it really is a matter of perspective. You know, because transition can bring great things. And I honestly believe that the Lord has planned really great things for this church. And this is not just lip service to make you feel better so that we can leave. It's so much so that I almost feel sad. Well, I do feel sad, not almost. I feel sad about leaving, not just because of the people that, that I love, not because of, of my family here, but because I want to be part of the exciting things that the Lord is going to do. So yes, there's uncertainty right now, but I feel like there's also this that a little bit of that electricity from the Holy Spirit saying, just wait, you know, wait for it. Great things are going to happen. Well, I would say that we are in a season of soul searching uh, as a church. Uh, when we came on as the lead pastoral couple, one of the first things we, we said was, we are, we are ingrown. We have a lot of love, but it's directed inwards. So we're going to point that out to the community. We started engaging with our neighbors. And um, raise your hand if you've been here less than 10 years. So like, I, like we, since you've been here, we're like the only pastors that you've been known at this church. It's quite a few of you, right? Okay. So um, you are the fruit of our efforts to reach our community. And we're so grateful that you're here. Uh, but right now, that energy has begun to turn inward again, partly out of necessity because we're trying to figure out who our next pastor is going to be. So we, we don't have quite as much energy to kind of go out. We're, we're kind of trying to take care of what's going on here. But it's a bit of soul searching because we kind of have to figure out who is this church without Albert and Christine. And um, just like we would have to make an adjustment if any of you were to leave. But of course, we're very public and we're in the front. Um, and some of you perhaps uh, came uh, because you came to a service and, and one of us was, was preaching or we had a conversation with you in the courtyard or we took you out to coffee and, and you came um, first uh, because we made a connection with you. And some people said, have said to me, Albert, we came because of you. We know that ultimately we, become, we come for Jesus. But the initial contact was they came because of one of us. And so now you have to decide. Um, whether you are here because of us or you're here because of Jesus and whether you're here because you believe in what Jesus is doing in this church. not You need to go from Albert is my pastor or Christine is my pastor to this is my church. That's a mental shift that every one of you is going to need to make. And so that's why we're having these discussions. We want, if you continue to stay, we don't want it to be because of habit, but because you're choosing to be here, because you believe in what we're doing, and you want to get, you want to be part of it. Okay? So I think that's kind of the season that we're in. 
in right now. Um, the next question I had is, um, when during the past 10 years, Christine, have you been the most proud of Trinity? We're very proud of you. But I wanted Christine to share a little bit. Well, as a mother, <laughs> when my kids come home uh, with A pluses on their report card, I feel incredibly proud. I do. But actually, when I hear that my child did something that was incredibly kind and selfless, especially to those people that don't usually receive that kind of treatment, my heart just bursts with pride, even more than the A+. Plus. It's a close second. No, I'm just kidding. But even more than that A+, plus, that feeling. And so with you, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're my spiritual children or anything because I see you as peers. But when, when, I, when we went through together as the, the Love Where You Live campaign, and you were doing one thing after another, just going out into the community and filling needs and developing relationships, I felt such an incredible amount of love and pride as a pastor. Another moment um, for uh, the Roland Heights campus, last year, uh, during this time, actually, the, the church, all the congregations, we, we worked hard together to cook this huge meal, and we took it all over to, to the um, Skid Row uh, Nazarene Church out there, and we fed over 900 people. And so, you know, there was this long table of food, and I was on the very, very end, and I'm seeing all these people walk through and getting fed, and people just talking with one another, and I'm looking down the row, and there were older people, younger people, just all side by side, people from the Spanish congregation, the English congregation, and my heart just swelled with so much pride. And then a lot of you have seen that picture of Chris Wong just crouched in the corner and just feeding food to a homeless man that couldn't feed himself. You know, when we put ourselves out into uncomfortable places for the kingdom, you know, as a pastor, I feel so proud. How much more does the heart of, father, of, of our Father in heaven, how much more must his heart be just overflowing with, with pride and love? And, and, and I think that sometimes we're just too comfortable all the time. And, and some of you, you know, you heard Molly's announcement about this fall festival. And some of us are thinking, well, I'm just going to like kind of make food in the corner and I'm not really going to talk to anybody because I'm really shy. But to put yourself out there into uncomfortable places and talk to total strangers, you know, and say, God, how am I, how can I minister to this family that doesn't know him? Like, does, does, do our hearts bleed for those families that have no idea who Jesus Christ is? You know, to go into those places, I just think, I just, one last thing, I just shout out to the women's team, because man, they serve, and they serve, and they serve, and they serve, and, and uh, one of my proudest moments was after the last retreat, where the women put in so many hours for the love of all the women in our, uh, in our church, and, and the way that they served, it's just, it brings tears to my eyes. How about you, Albert? Well, I would really just reflect what Christine is saying, that whenever we see people stepping out in faith, when they are doing something that they're scared to do, and they're doing it because the love of Jesus is compelling them to do so, I mean, I'm so, I get, I get goosebumps even now just thinking about it. I, I, just, I just swell up with, with I think, godly pride. You know? um, there have been a lot of times when we have, we have stepped out in faith, when we made the decision to become a community church instead of a commuter church. That was a big shift because the people who had been here for a long time, you had to get used to seeing new faces and, and interact with that. When we made the decision that we would not be a primarily Chinese church, but would be a multicultural church. I remember having conversations with people who had been here for decades and saying, Albert, it's a wonderful idea, but it's not going to work. Chinese people just want to stay with Chinese people, right? And... Uh, and I push back on that because that's not what the kingdom is going to look like. Hate to tell you. <laughs> you know, it's going to be people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue. And so we want to reflect that. And there's people right next door 
to the church that are not Chinese that need Jesus. And so who are we to, you know, so, but that was intentional and that took time. And there's still a lot of Chinese people here because guess what? We live in a place where there's lots of Chinese people. It's okay. Uh, but we made that decision. We, we decided um, to hire additional staff when we didn't have the money to do so. And we continued to hire a pastor of youth and outreach, children's director, a full-time administrator, Chinese pastor. We just continued to do that. That took faith. We engaged our community with Church in the Park, um, the Cherry Blossom Festival, Easter egg hunts, Angel Tree, reaching out to, to kids whose parents are in prison, Family Promise, our Love Where You Live campaign. These are all things that took faith all things that moved you out of your comfort zone. Um, we, we completely revived our short-term missions program, going to Thailand and to Mexico and these different places. Uh, we, are per- we purchased vans for uh, one of the families in the church, and now we're, we're gathering funds to, to um, buy another one for the youth ministry because we gave away the youth van in Mexico. Um, people have donated cars to the church. They've donated stock to the church. Uh, I'm so proud of the way that, that Trinity gets behind mission. You've done that. You, you have followed us as we have called you to greater faith. And so, I mean, it's going to be tough to leave this, right? Um, the way that you take care of people in their time of need, you're so good at that. You are so good at loving people when they need it. Um, the merger becoming a river church. All, you, those of you who have been here for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those were all huge leaps of faith. God blesses that, and we're proud of you for that. And just little things like um, Jesse, you know, after our men's discipleship group, uh, during that process, you just felt like, I want to invest in young, young men, and you became a big brother, right? And that was awesome. That was, that was something you never would have done otherwise. And you are stepping out in faith. Carrie, you, you don't like speaking in front of people. You get nervous, right? But you gave up. You gave an amazing testimony. You're getting pu- so public with your faith. It's so awesome. So it's, we can't pick like two or three times of, uh, you know, that we're proud of you because we're proud of you every week. Every week we are proud of somebody in this church. So it's kind of a trick question. We're like proud of you all the time. Uh, when have we seen the Holy Spirit really moving powerfully among us? What would you say, Christine? Um, the times, there's, there's a couple of times that, that come to mind. And, and both of them were, were times of corporate prayer. When people gathered together and, and just prayed and allowed the Holy Spirit just to intercede through our prayers. And I remember one time, um, Albert and I were in a particularly bad place. You know, right after the merge, uh, we were just so stretched thin. Um, we were so stressed and exhausted that it was really affecting our relationship. And it was one of those Saturday morning prayer, early morning prayer meetings last year when we did 10 weeks in a row. And Albert and I were sitting out in that parking lot and we were really grumpy and it, like, we were already late, like 10 minutes late and we're still sitting there because we didn't, uh, just, there was a fight from the night before that we, we didn't reconcile in yet. And, um, and so we came in and I was just so burdened so burdened, and, and Albert sat over here, and I sat over there. <laughs> and people sensed that there was something going on. And then the whole family, you know, everybody just came over to us and just started praying over us and weeping over us, you know. And when you love, when you love, when you choose to love the way that Jesus loves, like it is so powerful. And Albert and I, because we're pastors, we don't really, we don't often get the opportunity to receive ministry because we're giving it so much. That day, we received it, and we received it powerfully. It was so powerful. And um, so that was, that was one powerful moment. Another, another moment, I remember that we were with our fellowship group, and man, the years that the fellowship group that we've had together to grow, um, it's the it was the college and post college group, and 
every week we'd gather at our house and we'd cook and then we'd pray and then we we eat and, and we study the word and worship like for years. And you know, Ann and Jenny, they were single, they didn't have any kids. And I remember Ann had a crush on Jenny and Jenny didn't really have a crush on him back. And like we saw all that, you know? Like Ann was devastated. He went through this depression and left for a while, but then he came back and now they're married and have two beautiful children. But I remember one time <laughs> when we were exploring uh, praying in the Holy Spirit together. I remember we're all in a room. Our, I love the fact that we've had it so many times at our house because every room has been prayed over, hundred times over. If you if you are considering opening your home for ministry, I the work the Holy Spirit just enters your house and it just lingers. And so just invite people over to your home and and just just have times of prayer. But I remember because we just kind of allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to us in silence and we're just waiting for a word. And each of us, we had these words of, of knowledge, words of encouragement for each other. And it was just such a powerful time. Grown men, you know, like weeping. And, and it was just a corporate prayer. We have to do more of it. You can just tell, like, when the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully. And you know why? You can tell when you don't want the moment to stop. You just want to keep going, you know? So when we were, uh, the men went on a mission, or I mean, a, a retreat. And just at the end, like, we were just kind of feeling the love. And so we just, you know, the speaker just said, why don't you guys give each other a hug? And we were like, okay, you know, and we just started like giving each other hugs and grown men were like crying and it went on for 20 minutes, right? A 20 minute hug fest with a bunch of <laughs> dudes in the mountains. It was so, I think the men needed that deeply. Sometimes men, we don't understand how much we need like close brothers, you know? We try to tough it out. But something touched like the deepest part of our souls. And that was the spirit moving. Right? So when we go on camps like, uh, and retreats, they're so powerful. Go on the men's retreat. Go on the women's retreat. Make sure your kid goes to uh, missions trips or to youth, youth camps. Like, they take us out of our regular routine, and, and they, they energize us. and They're important. But there have been times right here in worship when it has felt like we were in the mountains, you know? Because, and, and here's what it is, is when we give the Holy Spirit room to move and we are not impatient and we are not in a hurry, okay? Sometimes our services have gone long. Sometimes it's because we just weren't responsible with the time and we just gave too many announcements. But sometimes it's because the spirit is moving and we don't want to leave, right? And I just want you to be open to that in this church because if we are always on a clock, well, it's 12.30, time to go. Holy Spirit, you're just going to have to wait till next time because I'm too busy. I got to go have lunch, right? Imagine you go to somebody's home and they say, okay, dinner's from 7 to 9, right? Nine o'clock, the host gets up and says, well, thank you for coming. Uh, go along now. Got things to do. Like, how would you feel? Right? But you know your family. Well, who cares what time it ended? Like, I just like being with you. And you're still there at 11 o'clock. And you're just having the time of your life. That's what church should feel like. It should feel like the family of God coming together, spending time with our Heavenly Daddy. We just like, I just don't want to leave this place. And so I just want to help us to kind of frame that, you know. I know that some of us have gotten antsy at times over like the, the schedule. I have too, believe me. When I see people like checking their watch, I'm like, okay, we got to finish up. People are time to go. But crave the Spirit, you know, and just say, Lord, if, if, you want to, if you want us to stay, I'm, I'm ready. You know? I, I believe that that is the kind of attitude that will help us flourish as a church. So. Um, the next question is, you know, we've maybe said a lot of things, and you probably forgot like 99% of them over the years, but 
Um, Christine, if there's one thing that you would want the church to kind of remember about your uh, teaching and example, what do you want to remember? I would just second to Albert this morning that I think most pastors, they have one theological bent that kind of colors everything that they speak on. And, and I think for me is to have uh, emotional uh, wholeness in the Lord. I mean, that is so big that, that the Lord wants to transform you into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Like, that's his heart's desire for you. And, and I have walked with so many of you in the most difficult times of your life, and it's been such a privilege it really, really has. And, and to be able to intersect God's word with um, what we're going through and to change and, and transform and, and, to, and to not respond out of the flesh. Like, you know, I, I will tell you, let me say one thing. I, I am going to digress later. I'll always like when I do that. But, you know, there's, I, I've, the Lord has brought to my attention very clearly in this last season that there is still stuff from my past that's affecting me now. And, and it's affecting me um, in how I respond to other people's um, baggage when it affects me, right? And so we both have baggage. And when Albert and I, when we argue, I, I don't allow him to, to be imperfect in the ways that affects me. If it's imperfect in other ways, I'm there and I'm like, oh, it's okay, honey, and I'll, I'll encourage him, and you know. But when it's affecting me and it's hurting me, then my wall just goes right up. And, and he doesn't, I can't hold his pain. I can't help um, the healing process for Albert and the things from his past. And I've been saying, God, I want to beat this thing. Like, I want to beat it. I don't want it to affect me anymore. You know, especially because when we go up north, Albert and I only have each other for a very, very, very long time because we're going to be traveling from church to church to church every Sunday. We're not going to be able to develop this. Not for a very long time. And so we're going to be each other's person. And I am convinced that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord wants to heal me of this. And that I want to change and allow the Lord to change me. And that is like my biggest message. It really, really is that you do not have to stay where you're at. That place of discomfort and pain and, and just the emotional brokenness that affects the relationships that you have now. You are not meant to stay there. You are not meant to stay there. And it is here in the body of Christ. It is only here where we can be healed of these things that you are part of that. You are part of my healing. You really are. I have been healed of so much in the past 14 years. And you've been a part of that. It's because of you. So for those of you that come every once in a while, that are, do not belong into a, in a life group, that's avoiding going to retreats and getting into each other's lives, don't do it. It's counterproductive. The pain and discomfort you feel is because you're isolating yourself from the body of Christ. So that's my biggest soapbox, it really is. You know, allow the Holy Spirit to heal you in the most broken places through the body of Christ. So for me, uh, I hope that, that I've communicated again and again and again that following Jesus is worth the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus himself says, whoever finds their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's this counterintuitive thing. To be a follower of Jesus is, is just total surrender. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom is near. Right? Believe this good news. But what he was saying is he introduces himself as a king because he's the king of this kingdom. So we relate to Jesus 
Yes, as friend. Yes, God is our Father. But when Jesus came on the scene, he made it clear that he was our king. He's our king. And so I have always kind of related to Jesus that way and been grateful that I also get the rest, you know? I, I get the intimacy and the love, and he's my father. He's, he's, it's like when he's the king, but he's also your dad, right? That's pretty cool. But we shouldn't forget that Jesus is Lord. That is why he has the right to say what he says and asks what he ask of us what he asks. So um, I, I would just encourage you to follow Jesus radically. Don't live for your own comfort. He's your king. Jesus is your king. So why are Christine and I going to Nor- NorCal to, so I can become the district superintendent? We can work together up there. Somebody said, well, it's nice that, you know, it's, it's like a promotion, right? It's like a move up in the corporate ladder. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is, you know. We like our lives. It's because Jesus is my king. And we asked in multiple ways, Jesus, do you want us, do you really want us to go? He said, yes, 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 yes. And we said, well, that's it then. We're going. We know that the joy will come. We know that the joy will come because Jesus tells us, right, in a parable, uh, the, master, the master and the servants with the talents, that some are given a few talents, and when they're faithful with that, the master says, I, well done, I'm proud of you. Here's, he, you've been faithful over a few things. Here's some more things to be in charge of, right? And that's what he's doing for us. We're in charge of more things now. Uh, this past week, I've been working with uh, eight of our churches up there that have been affected by these NorCal fires. Normally, when you hear about stuff on the news, you think, man, I hope somebody like does something, right? And so I hear this, and I go, those are my people. Instinctively, those are my people. I need to check in with my pastors. I need to find out. And it turns out some of our church members up there have lost their homes. Some churches are, have been opened up as shelters. We're coordinating with the Red Cross with Nazarene disaster response. So I've been busy this week. Um, so I've been in charge of more things than I was before. But then Jesus says that the master says, come and share in your master's happiness. And I'm hanging on to that, that I will share in the Lord's happiness as we are faithful and we obey. Just, if there's one thing that you remember from me, it's that Jesus is your king. And he, following him, is worth the cost. No matter where he calls you, say yes. Say yes. You're going to miss out if you say no. Say yes. Um, what's one Bible passage, Christine, that God has placed on your heart for Trinity this season? Sometimes God just gives us a word right from his word for the church. So what is that? What have you been reflecting on these days? Well, lately, um, this, this passage has really been affecting me and um, my heart for, for Trinity, and it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. There's this thing called there's this thing called um, sensory sensitivity, where kids they're just really sensitive to to different um, feelings or whatever that it affects them emotionally. And and for example, Eli he can't wear any tags on his shirts at all. Like like he refuses to wear like jeans that are really rough and whatnot. He, everything has to be super soft. And when I cut his hair and hair would get on his back, he would actually cry because it, it affected him so much. And for me, I believe that I have a sensory sensitivity, but it's to noise. Like Eli will be sitting in the backseat of the minivan and he'll be going like this. And it will just drive me crazy. Like he's always pounding out a beat and everything. And so this... This passage, these verses really speak to me because, like, it's like a, a resounding symbol. And I, I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to go over to the to the percussion set over there and start banging on the symbol just to kind of illustrate how awful it is when 
in our lives, in our ministry, we, you know, we can have tongues of angels. Like we can be able to speak all the languages of men and even angels. You know, we could, we could have that, that gift of prophecy when we know the word of God just, and, and we just anoint people with, with his word that comes directly from the Lord. We can have, um, this gift of understanding all the mysteries of God and all the knowledge of the world. We can even have faith. And faith is a great thing, but we can even have faith to move mountains. But it's like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal unless it is given and expressed in love. And this is how important love is. And I believe that if the American church, if we ministered out of the depth of of this truth from this passage, that I think the whole world, the whole unchurched world would be running in, breaking down our walls. I think sometimes, you know, we intellectualize or we moralize or it's not even a word, but religionize Christianity, our relationship with God, and it loses the most important substance, which is love. To connect deeply with one another, you know, and, and, and I think, um, I have to think, this is challenging, it's not just a, a, a passage that I feel is for, for Trinity, but for myself too, is everything that I do, is it motivated from love? You know, when we get frustrated because, you know, the church is not following this way or, or something, you know, is happening between certain relationships at the church, you know, do I respond with love or do I moralize the situation? If what you are doing does not come across as loving, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, sometimes like there's things that we need done around the church. And let's say we let's say we want people to come in, come on time, right, to church. And so I call you each, each and every one of you up and, and say, if you don't, you, you know, you just, and there's like no love in that. Is that, how's, I mean, I might, maybe, what if I get you all here on, so what? So what if you all come on time? <laughs> I, I, it was destructive, right? And so just think about that. Whatever, whatever thing that you want to see happen in the church, whatever you want to see happen in your marriage, Whenever you're trying to get your kids to do something, you know, like whatever it is, everything needs to be saturated in love. Otherwise, it's annoying <laughs> and counterproductive. Like, for example, you know, Rosa, I want you to go to the women's retreat. You know, I really want you to go to the women's retreat. But it is because I love you. I love you so deeply, Rosa. And everyone else, like the women, I love you so deeply. And this is the reason why I want you to go. It's not because I want to make the retreat a big success, you know, and to have like, oh, we had 58 women sign up. It's not because of that. It's because my heart has such a burning desire to see you in spiritual community and thriving in this abundant life that the Lord has for you. Does that sound like a resounding symbol? God is simple to you right now, Rosa. <laughs> but that's where my heart is. That's where I'm coming from. Well, the verse that I has been on my heart is Philippians 1.27. Um, Paul often was, was away from the churches that he wrote to. He couldn't always be with them. And thinking about what it's going to be like to, to follow in those footsteps and go to a lot of churches and uh, maybe only be able to come back and see you a few times a year. Um, but this is what he said. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Worthy of this gospel, that this new kingdom is being ushered in. Jesus is making all things new. Jesus is Lord. Live in a way that, that testifies to that, that's, that's worthy of that. Then when, when, whether I come and see you, and we will come and see you, um, or only hear about you in our absence, we'll know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. 
this, I've been thinking about this all the time. It's like that Trinity is, is striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. You are united in purpose. There's no disagreement about what we are here to do. And that is to join Jesus in the renewal of all things by calling all people to, to, to Christ. We want people saved. We want people sanctified. We want people laboring together for the renewal of this world. Right? That, that you're all on board as one. So that's been on, on my mind. George Barna, who does a lot of church research, says this. He says, a church cannot be turned around until a contingent of people is so firmly committed to the ministry of the church that they will sacrifice almost anything for the good of the church to the glory of God. You've got to be all in. You've got to be willing to sacrifice, to pour all of ourselves into what we're doing. Okay? Um, just a couple more quick questions. Number one, Christine, what's your priority these days? Just quickly, because we're running out of time. But okay. What's your priority? Uh, I think my priority is to help develop the sense of community, you know, where the lives are being transformed, people are being healed. And, and I think one of the key things, though, is it's not just for the sake of ourselves, right? It doesn't just stop there. You know, when the Lord uh, heals us and, and, and transforms us from, from our, the things of the flesh and into the spirit, it's it's for the sake of other people, to pour ourselves out for, for other people. And, and it's so important that it's not just people within these walls, but outside, too. And so I feel um, a couple of things that I've been really doing is that I've been inviting people one-on-one, two-on-one into weekly uh, counseling sessions where uh, I want to just really just pour into their lives really, really quickly in this next season to help them... Um, and usually with, with women and men that are overlooked more often. And because I'm not really sure all the time, like, the next season and whether they'll get the attention that they need from these things. And, and the last thing that I want to say is um, because of the merge and because of being stretched thin, I've, ha I've let go of so many of very important relationships for me, and, and what I want to do is to help develop those relationships, but not onto me, because I'm going to be leaving, and that's going to just fill a, like, create a gap. I want to be able to create relationships with one another so that when I do leave, that there's that network of deep relationships and friendships that, that people can depend on. Mm. Good. No one would be isolated. Mm -hmm. yeah, everyone's yeah. connected. And, and mine is, is very similar to that, again, for that we're all on the same page. We're, we're, we're about one, one purpose together. Um, and so I feel a burden to, to, like, activate every person who's kind of dormant, you know? So if you've been thinking about, like, you've been here for, like, a couple of years, and, and you just felt Jesus tugging on your heart, but you've never really received him, and you never got baptized, let's do that before we go. Like, we want to be the ones to get to be there when you... Make a public declaration of your faith. And I just talked to somebody last week that said, Albert, I've been a Christian in training for six years at this church. It's time. Let's do it. I'm like, all right, you know? So I don't want anybody, if you've been hesitating, but you're like, yeah, I just feel it. Take that step while we're here because we, we want to celebrate that with you. Um, if you've been thinking about becoming a member, become a member. Commit, commit not just to Jesus, but commit to this local church, Right? Um, if you haven't been serving for a while, you've kind of been sitting on the sidelines, get back in the game. Come, come out of retirement, you know? This is your comeback. Um, any, anyone who is kind of just dormant right now, we want to wake, wake people up and get them engaged. Um, that's what I want to do. So I'm constantly looking for who is, who's on the sidelines? How do we bring them, bring them in? Um, that's what I think about a lot these days. So lastly, if we can sum this up real quick, Christine, what, how would you sum up? What's your dream for Trinity? Um, my dream for Trinity is that uh, the power of the Holy Spirit will reign supreme in these walls and wherever we, we journey to, um, where we truly believe that the power and authority of Jesus over our own lives, like we truly believe that Jesus has the power to say what he says he's going to do. And um, to take risks for the gospel. You know, not to be so comfortable, but to feel 
uncomfortable, go to the places that the Holy Spirit is, is sending us, because really it is only in those places where our faith will grow. And I would just say for, for me that my dream is simply that we just keep doing what we have committed to do. All the, We've worked hard over the past 10 years as a family to lay a foundation, and I would encourage you just keep going, just keep building on that, you know? If we were to leave and the whole thing were to implode, I would be like the most depressed person in the world, you know? Because God was doing that, right? So let, let's keep doing that. Um, I, I do think it's important to understand that every church has a life cycle. The goal is not to live forever, right? Not to survive forever as a church. The goal is to be fruitful. And that means putting up our, our resources uh, in order and on our time in order to make that happen. Did you know that uh, the trees that bear the most fruit tend to have the shortest lifespan? Right? So like an apple tree is maybe like 35, 40 years. I believe a peach tree is even less, like maybe only like less than 20 years. Right? They don't last very long, but they produce a lot of fruit. And the ones that last like hundreds of years, you know, they're tall and they're strong. But sometimes what happens is in the forest, they, they end up like kind of overshadowing um, the, the growth that's trying to come up, and they, they take all the resources, but they're not producing very much. But fruit trees that produce a lot of fruit, they last a short time. So I want you to think about that. The goal of this church is not to survive as long as we can. It's to produce as much fruit as we can. And so sometimes that means, why, why should we hold? We have about $400,000 in reserves. When I tell that to other churches, and part of it is because the conservative mindset of our churches, we want to protect that, right? Because we went through times when we weren't sure if we could pay every bill, so let's hold on to it. But a church that is more concerned about fruit will say, let's invest it. Let's put that in people. Let's put that into, into lives, you know? And we'll trust that, that the Lord will replenish that. Our goal is not to keep $400,000 in the bank. That's not our mission, right? We're not going to be foolish, but we are going to invest. So I would just say that we, are, we, we, we continue to have that, that legacy. Two questions just to end this time. Number one, when we started, um, we asked the question 10 years ago, if Trinity were to disappear from the community, would anybody notice? And we concluded that no, I don't think anybody would notice because we were a commuter church without very much presence in the community. Now I think, boy, people would notice, right? But here's the question that I would like us to consider for the next 10 years, whether Christine and I are here or not. The question for the next 10 years is, if the Holy Spirit were to leave this church, would anybody notice? Because a lot of churches get by on clever programming, and gifted preachers and things like that. And you know what? In the uh, A.W. Tozer says that in today's churches, if the Holy Spirit were to leave the church, 95% of what happens in the church would continue and nobody would notice the difference. But he said in the early church, in Jesus' day, just after Jesus went to the Father, in his day, if the Holy Spirit left the church, 95% of what was going on would stop and everybody would notice. And so that is the dream that I have to this church for the next 10 years, that you are guided by the Spirit, that the Spirit is moving in your lives, moving in this church, and that we get to the point, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit because we're depending on the Spirit so much. Does that make sense? So thank you for allowing us to share our hearts with you. We thought a lot about what we wanted to say to you today because we love you so much. You know? And the best days of this church are yet to come.